Okay, we'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis 48. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Genesis. The focus, of course, as we, in this section, of course, is the life of, really, the lives of Jacob and Joseph. It's a special time because Jacob is uh, giving out what we call his final blessings before his death. And there's really two aspects as we look at this. First of all, let me pull this down just a little bit. Uh, first of all, he blesses Joseph. We're going to see in chapter 48, he blesses Joseph's two sons. And then in chapter 49, he actually blesses his own 12 sons. So they, really, these final two chapters, not, not the final, course, it's chapter 50, but 48 and 49 really deal with the blessings. And in this passage this evening, we're going to actually just, we, we won't get into the exact blessing. We'll get to the start of it. But that's what he's going to do. He's going to bless Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Jacob states, you know, he says, I never even thought I would ever see Joseph's face again, and now I've seen not only Joseph, but his sons. Two things I think stand out when we think about the blessings. One, there's a prophetic message concerning each of the sons, and we're going to see that not only in these two sons, but in the twelve sons as well. And then, in a sense, the passing on of his faith, because these sons were, were, were supposed to follow God as he followed God. That's really the kind of the idea there. And uh, what we can see from this study, several things. I think we can see Jacob's view of God is a very powerful, powerful view of God. And the question we might raise for ourselves is, how do we view God? Because we look at Jacob. Now, we say that Jacob was kind of a pessimist in his life. He talked about how his life was was short number of years and all these problems and everything. But he did have an amazing view of God. And we want to talk about his powerful view of God and how we view God. And then we're going to see the blessing. And, and what this was was sort of passing on, on a faith. And one of the things we might say is, are we passing on our faith to our kids or those around us? That might be a thing to think about. So this evening, we'll see really three things. The promise by Joseph to his father. Because I'm going to go back just a few verses back in the chapter. 47 to to get this that part about the promise by Joseph to his father then the reminder of the covenant he talks about what God did and then the blessings of the sons and we'll just see a little bit of that let's do this let's start with prayer and then we can get into the passage let's pray heavenly father what a great 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 time thank you lord for your grace to us thank you for the bible and the book of genesis and the passages that we see in 40 the last of 47 and the first part of 48 and we thank you lord that we get to come together uh, on a weekly basis to look at your word. And Lord, we do not want to ever take for granted uh, the information that you have revealed to us in a written form in the Bible. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of getting to study the Bible and see truths and make application in our lives. I just thank you, Lord, for the ones that take time out of their lives to come to, to, be, to encourage one another, to build up one another, to sing praises, to worship you, and to help equip one another as they study the Scripture. And so, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for uh, the, the opportunity to study the Scripture tonight. But most of all, we never want to take for granted our Savior Jesus, how he died and rose again, and he gives us eternal life and just simply as a gift by faith. So teach us now, Lord, as we study. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, promises are pretty special because uh, when you make a promise, it's really an agreement to do something. Like say, oh, yeah, I promise I will do that. And you say, that, yeah, good, I promise I will do this. And, and when you think about the Bible, it's full of promises. In fact, they, there's, uh, there's little books. You can go down to Ruth's bookstore, Christian bookstore, and there's, there's the pocket book of promises. It's not about that big, but it's got promises all over the place. When you think about promises, I really think there's two aspects. First of all, you think about man's promises. And we say we're going to do something. We say, you know, I'll be there. I promise I'll do this or I'll give you my word. The problem with a person's promise is that it may not happen. It may, it may not come true. Now, even, even if we really say, okay, I'm going to be there at 8 o'clock. I promise you I will be there. 
We mean that, and we'll do everything we can to get there, but something could happen that is beyond our control because we don't control everything. We don't control all situations, and so we may not be able to keep our promises. That's one of the sad things about a person's promises. A lot of times people get really mad and say, this person didn't keep their promises. Well, we're supposed to keep our promises, and our yes is supposed to be yes, and our no be no, but the truth is man's promises don't always come to pass because we can't control everything. Now, when you think about God's promises, it is a truth that whatever he says is always going to be for sure because whatever he says, he's got all the power. He's always able to do whatever he promises. He, he cannot lie, so he can't go back on his word, and he has all the strength and all the power to do it. So whatever God promises is going to come to pass. Now, in this section, we're going to see promises really in two aspects. One, we're going to see Joseph's promise. And his promise is that he will take his father's body back to the land of Canaan. Uh, Jacob says, I'm going to die, but I don't want to be buried here. I don't want to be buried in Egypt. I want you to take me back to Canaan. Joseph's going to make the promise. We saw it last time. He makes the promise, I will take your body back. Now, we could say, good promise, but is it for sure going to happen? Because you, you can't guarantee. What, what happens? What if, what if before he got to take his body back, something happened to, to Joseph? Or... or that Joseph died and nobody knew about the promise. Who knows? So Joseph's promise, that's a man promise. Then we see God's promises. That's the covenant, the one that he made with Abraham and then on to Isaac and now even down to Jacob. And Jacob's going to talk about that promise there. So there's a lot there. And, and one thing about it, whatever God promises is true. And as we continue this evening, we want to think about promises and vows and the covenants and, and, and the blessings. And so we're now near the end. Of Jacob's life. And if you notice, and when I read this a while ago, if you watch carefully, sometimes he's called Jacob and sometimes he's called Israel. That's really amazing because you remember Jacob means deceiver. Israel means prince of God. Uh, Jacob, in a sense, is almost... It, it, you don't want to say it's his old life because, or his old self because there's still times that God he says, I am the God of Jacob. And he means it in a positive way. So sometimes uh, there's, a, there's a contrast going on. Sometimes Jacob, sometimes Israel. And, and sometimes we're not sure why the difference except maybe just a little bit of emphasis in some way or another. Uh, he, is, he is 147 years old when he dies. He comes there at age 100, 130. He lives there 17 years with his son Joseph and the rest of the family. Three things, I think, come to pass in this chapter. Jo, jo, uh, Joseph's promise that he will bury Jacob in the land in Canaan, not Egypt. The blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh passing on the faith. And then the blessing of the 12 sons, the prophecies. That's in the, the next these two chapters. Now, let me break down what we're going to do tonight, okay? First of all, we're going to see Joseph's promise. I'm going to go back to chapter 47 and just get those last three or four verses. It won't take me just a second. I just want to remind you of Joseph's promise to his father. Then we see Jacob's review, and he talks about God's promises in the covenant, and then we see Jacob's blessings. Now, it's just the start of it, because beginning at verse 15 on down is exactly what he says about these sons, but at the very start, we can see something there, and we see Jacob's view of God, what God how he looks at God, but it's a, it's a prophecy. It's a prophecy about these boys. You know, um, if you lived in that time, especially with the patriarchs, now think about it, we're talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob, God had appeared to Jacob a number of times. When he gives a prophecy about the future, uh, pretty much that's going to happen, right? I mean, because this is coming from God. And so here are the two sons. What, well, just picture that you're Ephraim and Manasseh, and you know that you're going to be blessed by Jacob. What's he going to say? Because whatever he says is going to come to pass. When we look at the 12 sons, if you've read chapter 49, if you want to, read ahead. Read chapter 49. Look what he says to his sons. 
Some of them you say, I wish he had never said that. If you were one of those sons and he said that about you, you would say, I wish he had never said that. Because there's some good things and some bad things. And so we'll look at it as we go through and, and great things. Well, let's look quickly. Go back to chapter 47, about, oh, about verse 29. And look what it says here. It's because uh, it's saying that Jacob's about ready to die and he calls Joseph. Notice verse 29. When the, time, when the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Please, if I found favor in your sight, place your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt. Now, we saw this last time. Now, notice it calls him Israel here. When it came time for Israel to die. And, and so he calls Joseph and says, Listen, if, 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 you know, if I found favor, if you love me, if, if, I, if, you know, if you'll do what I say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to place your hand under my thigh. You remember that was like a, a kind of a, a, a you know, uh, cross your heart and hope to die. Put your hand up under the thigh, which was a symbolic way of saying, I will do, you know, uh, I will do what you say. I will, I will keep my word. He says, place your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Don't bury me in Egypt. And we talked about, why not Egypt? Because notice in verse 30, he says, But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. And see, think about it. He says, take me back to Canaan. Take me back to the burial place. He said, verse 31, swear to me. That's an oath. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed in worship at the head of the bed. Now, he, this is a part where he is so weak that he doesn't get out anymore. He stays basically in the bed all day long. And he thought, I'm about to die, so I'm going to call my son in, and I'm going to tell him, what I want you to do is make a promise to me, make a vow to me, swear to me that you won't bury me here. Now, we talked about it. Why is it so, what size is it such a big deal? Well, we know that he knew about the covenant the covenant from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob it had been given to him as well that God promised a land, a seed, and a blessing to this people group, beginning with Abraham all the way to Isaac, all the way to Jacob. And by this time, if you say Jacob, there's only 70 people. And so it's not like a nation yet. It's a big family. And he knew that the promise was that that land was theirs, even though they possessed one little area. Where was Anybody remember the area that they possessed? What was it that he possessed? The, the, the gravesite, the cave of Machpelah. That's, that was the area. The only place that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob basically ever owned was that area. And yet they know that the whole land is theirs. It, it's been promised to them by God. And so he says, look, I don't want to be buried in Egypt because there's going to be a resurrection one day. And when I'm resurrected, I don't want to be in Egypt. I don't want to have to make the walk back, you know. I, I want to be in the land. I want to be there with the family. And in the cave of Machpelah, there is a lot of people buried there. Abraham and who is buried there? Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca. And it's going to be Jacob and it's not Rachel. It's Leah. Yeah. What happened to Rachel? She died on the way to Bethlehem. And they said, well, <laughs> we have to bury at Bethlehem. Right? So he's not going to be buried with his favorite wife. That's what he says. So he says, listen, I want, 
I, I, when I lie down with my fathers, I want you to take me back here. He said, swear to me, swear to me. And he did. And so th- this is the, the, the promise here. And he promised, uh, he had all this confidence that, that one day God would carry out his promises. Well, as we move to chapter 48, and go ahead now, go to chapter 48, a little bit of time has passed, and look what it says. Now, af- it came about after these things. After that Joseph had made the promise to his dad that when he died, he would take him back to the land of Canaan. He says that came about after these things that Joseph was told. Guess what? Behold, your father is sick. See, he's been bedridden. You know, he got to the point where we know that he had trouble walking, right? For a long time. And why was that? Because God touched his hip, and so for a long time, he always walked, and he had the cane, he had his stick that he walked on, and now he's gotten really old. He's 147 years old, right? He's not able to get out much, play volleyball or anything like that, right? I mean, he just can't do anything. And so now, not only has he been in the bed that he'd called Joseph and said, do this, now the word is out that he's getting, he's sick, and he may not last much longer. So it came about that after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father's sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. He took his two sons, and what he says is, I'm going to have my father bless my sons. Now, normally, who blesses the sons? The father. He, he's, he blesses his own sons. But there's, there's something symbolic here. And it's It's unusual. I mean, we're going to see it when, he, when we get a little further along. Instead of Joseph blessing his sons, Jacob is going to bless Joseph's sons because Jacob says, your sons, Joseph, are really my sons. And we go, what, what does that mean? Why is he saying that? We'll see it as we get a little further in there. Let's think about it. Uh, Joseph was told his dad was sick, and he takes his two sons. Now, Jacob, as we've talked about this, was a very special man. Look at, look at these things. God appeared to him eight times. Think about that. Has God ever appeared to you? Not, not, has he, appeared, he didn't appear to you, but you know what? He did appear to you a whole bunch where? In the scripture. I mean, he's given you written revelation that, that uh, Jacob didn't have any written revelation. He didn't have scripture that he could carry around. He didn't have anything written that he, he didn't have the first part of Genesis. He didn't have the part about Adam and Eve and, and all those things. Now, he knew the stories. He knew everything had been passed on. But he didn't have a written revelation. So God appeared to him eight times. He got the covenant promises were made to him as were to Isaac, Abraham and Isaac. The nation was named after him. Think about it. His name is Jacob, but his name is Israel as well. And from really that point on, it's called the nation of Israel. And to this day, to this day, you go on a map and it says Israel. Named after this man right here that we're looking at in the scripture. He is, God is called the God of Jacob more than any other title. There's another couple of things. That his sons form the 12 tribes of the nation. We always talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes. How many tribes were there really? There are actually 13. We'll show you how in just a minute. And then... He promised that he would become a great nation. And we're not, we're not sure how many, of, because when they went down there were 70, and then 17 years later, we don't know how many more there are, but let's just say that they've doubled. Let's say by the time that Jacob dies, there's 140 of them. When they come out, they're coming out as how many? Two million, right? So it's a whole difference later on. They're down as a family. They come out as a great nation. Now, look what happens. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel, notice right in the middle of the verse, what does it do? Changes his name. 
It was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel collected his strength and set up in the bed. And he's lying down. He's sick. The word is out that he's probably not going to live much longer. And so they come in and he says, Your son Joseph is here. You can see it saying, Your son Joseph is here. Because he can't, you know, he's, he can't, he's 147. You know, and so he sits up in the bed. He's collected himself. He sits up in the bed. I remember when I was um, about nine, uh, my dad my, my dad had, he called her Granny. She wasn't his mother. She wasn't his grandmother. She was actually his, his great-grandmother, and she raised him. And uh, my daddy was born in Oklahoma. My daddy's daddy left Mississippi and came to Oklahoma, got married. My daddy was born. It wasn't but about a month after my daddy was born that... Uh, his wife died. She died with a heart condition. And this was 1916. And Granny left Mississippi and came to Oklahoma to, to uh, just outside of Ada, Stonewall, Oklahoma. And she took my daddy, who was about a month old, and she took him from the daddy. And she said, he can't be raised out here by you, by yourself, in Oklahoma. And she took him back to Mississippi. And he grew up in Mississippi. And that's why I grew up in Mississippi. But I've grown up also in Oklahoma. But uh, so I can remember when I was nine years old, eight or nine years old, that we had to drive to out in the country in rural Mississippi because Granny was dying. And this was about probably the first funeral I can ever remember. And we drove, and we went to the house. By the way, the house is still there, and I've been in the house. Um, the house had um, no running water, no electricity. All the heat was with, with the fireplaces in each of the room. Every room had a fireplace. That's how you heated the place. The, there was a well outside. There were outhouses outside. And I remember we came into the house, and they said to Daddy, you, you need to see Granny because she's dying. And so she's in the bed, and all of us go around. I still see it to this day. I still see Granny laying in the bed, covered up with those big old quilts that people used to have. And this was the goodbyes. This is sort of what we're seeing here because he sits up in the bed. It's not over yet. Chapter 49 will give us the final thing. But... Granny was in that bed, and, and everybody said something to Granny, and she said something to everybody, because Granny knew she was dying, and everybody knew she was dying. And after we went out, we said, well, Granny's going to die, and then she died, and then they had the funeral. It was the first funeral I can ever remember. And here is Jacob. It says, your son, Joseph, is here. So he collects himself, and he sits, gets his strength up, and he sits up in the bed. And we're going to see that, that Jacob reviews his life. He talks about God's promises and God's faithfulness. Wouldn't it, isn't this the greatest thing? What if, what if toward the end of your life, you, you're there, and you get to say, let me tell you what God has done all these years. Look what he says. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he goes back and he says, God appeared to him. Eight times God appeared to him, but he reminds me, he says, God appeared to him at Luz. Now, by the way, this Luz, another name for Luz is Bethel. Bethel is Beit, which means house, and El, which means God. So Beit El, Bethel, means the house of God. It was also called Luz. And so he said, God appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Now, I want you to notice that the name God Almighty 
is a unique name. It's the name El Shaddai. And as I've been, we've been doing a study uh, for our our guys on uh, Tuesday morning, and we've been looking at the El Shaddai in the Scripture and and realizing that uh, the El Shaddai is the one that that uh, that that mankind can see. Because the Bible says that God told Moses, no man can see me and live. And then the Bible also says that Moses talked to God face to face and saw him. That seems to be a contradiction, but it's not. Because the God that you can't see is God the Father. But the God that you can see is the El Shaddai. That's Jesus Christ. And it says here that God Almighty, we would say that would be Jesus, appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. That's who he is. And he blessed him. And I want you to do this. Hold your place and go back to Genesis 35. Just turn back there for just a second. Genesis 35. Look at Genesis 35, verse 1. God said to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel. And live there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you first fled from your brother Esau. Look down at verse 6. So Jacob came up to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. Look at verse 9. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. Now this is it. He says, God said to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. That's when it all happened. Then look at verse 11. God also said to him, I am, who is God Almighty? That's El Shaddai. That's Jesus. He said, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, there was a promise to Abraham, then a promise to Isaac. Now watch. I will give it to you. The same promise. I will give it to you and I will give the land to you and your descendants after you. He is reminding, if you go back to Genesis 48, he is reminding his son Joseph that God appeared to him in Luz, in Bethel, in the land of Canaan, and blessed him. It's very, very powerful. That's the covenant. Notice verse 4. And he said to me, this is what God said to him, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give you this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now, I want you to stop and think. This is, he says, uh, I'm going to be fruitful. He had 12 sons and one daughter. He said, I'm going to be fruitful, and I'm going to make a great company of people from you, and I'm going to give you this land. That's why it is so important that, Je- that Jacob say, I'd be buried in Canaan. God told me, this is my land. He said it to Abraham. He said it to Isaac. If God came to you and said, that is your land, you'd be saying, that's where I want to be. And that's what he's saying. Now, watch the next verse. Now, what I want you to see is something unique. Go ahead to the next one. He will give to Joseph the birthright. Okay, the birthright really had uh, some portions to it. It normally went to who? Who did the birthright normally go to? The firstborn, the oldest son. Now, who is the oldest son? Reuben. Okay? And Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. That's the first four. Uh, Joseph's pretty far down the list, isn't he? What is he? What's his number? He's number 11, isn't he? Yeah. And so this is going to go to Joseph. Now, there are three parts to the birthright. Normally, there's a double portion. Oldest son got two. If you had three sons, 
you would divide everything into fourths. And the oldest son got two-fourths, then one-fourth, one-fourth. The oldest son always got the double portion. And then the oldest son usually got the priesthood, and the oldest son usually got the blessing. And what we're going to see happen, which is so unusual, is it's not going to happen that way, that Jacob is going to give the double portion to Joseph, he's going to give the priesthood to Levi, and he's going to give the blessing to Judah. That's what he's going to do. You might say Reuben kind of got cut out of everything. And there's a reason for that. If you read chapter 49, you'll see why he lost his promises. And we'll see how that works. Now, here's what I want you to see. He's giving Joseph the double portion. And he's going to make Joseph's sons the same as his sons. Right? He's going to say, I I have 12 sons. But in reality, I'm not going to have 12 sons. I'm going to have how many? 13. Ephraim and Manasseh become his sons. They, in a sense, replace Joseph. When they begin to, later on, they name out all the tribes of Israel. Did you notice they never say in the tribe of Joseph? What do they say? The tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. There are actually 13. And we'll talk more about it because when they came into the land, they divided it in how many parts? Twelve, not thirteen. Somebody got left out. Levi. Levi didn't get a property. They got cities that they did the tabernacle. So watch what he's going to say. That's why this verse will make sense. If you got the idea that he's giving him this double portion, and notice verse 5. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they're mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. He's saying, I'm counting them the same. Look at the slide here. Uh, I think, uh, is, is, that, is that the next slide? Is there two, there's one that says two sons or something. Isn't it? Or did I already look at that slide? Go back one if you would. Maybe that didn't get put in there. I thought there was a slide that says two sons are mine. Yeah, Reuben and Simeon. That's not in there. No? I don't know. It's not in there. Anyway, uh, so what we got is, he's got, he says, your two sons, the ones who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came, they're mine. Ephraim and Manasseh are mine as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Because what he's doing is he's making them equal with his sons because he's saying, Joseph, you can't be two people. You can only be one person. So I'm going to make it a double portion by taking your two sons and they become my sons. It's pretty incredible. By giving Joseph the birthright, he gives him the double portion. And this all comes to pass because when they enter the land, everybody gets land. Ephraim and Manasseh get their own land. Joseph got the double portion. That's how it works. Now, notice verse 6. But your offspring that have been born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance. And so Joseph, uh, Joseph gets the double portion. And notice down in verse 22, he says the same thing. I will give you one portion more than your brothers. So he's getting the double portion, and that's why his two sons count the same as he does. So it's really an amazing thing. Now, look at verse 7. He begins to give a little background again. Now, I want you to remember that verses 5 and 6 are vital for you to grasp. When I used to read this, and I hadn't studied it, 
I mean, hadn't really put it together. And I would read this, and I and I thought, how can jo- Jacob say that Ephraim and Manasseh are his sons? It doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me until I realized what he's doing. He's giving him the double portion, and he's saying, your sons have to be you. You have to be a double you. And so I'm going to give them. They're the same as my sons. And from that point on, it never was the tribe of Joseph. It was Ephraim and Manasseh because they got the double part. Now, notice he gives a little background. He says, now for me, when I came from Padam, Rachel died to my sorrow. Why? Why so sorrow? That's his favorite wife. I mean, that's the one. That's the one that he always wanted. That's the one he worked actually 14 years for. He worked seven years for her and didn't get her, so he had to work another seven years for her. But he did get her before the 14 years was up, but he had to, they had to stay there 14 years. Now, as for me, when I came from Padam, Rachel died to my sorrow in the land of Canaan on the journey when we were still some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. She's not buried in the cave of Machpelah. Abraham and Sarah are, and Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and... Leah, but not Rachel. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Now, here's kind of the question. I mean, uh, does he uh, does he can't see? Or does he did he say, uh, Who are these boys here? He just talked about them. Ephraim and Manasseh and said they're mine. And he looks at them and goes, Who are these? Now, it could be that he's so he's so blind that he doesn't know who's there, or it could be he's saying. Who are these? You know, as in that way. Now, as we look at this this section, remember Jacob uh, remembers all his promises, and he's given the birthright and the blessings to the sons. He's, he's going to see these. I think the blessings of the sons of Joseph. Watch what he does. And then Israel saw Joseph's sons. He said, "Who are these?" And Joseph said to his father, "They are my sons, whom God has given to me." So he said, "Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them." So Jacob says, "We'll bring them over here." Now, this is the key, because these two sons are now equal with the other sons. That's why Jacob is giving the blessings to Joseph's sons, because it's the same as if Jacob is blessing his own sons. And watch what he does. Now, the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed them, and he embraced them. I love this passage because it just it takes me right back to seeing Granny, and that's what I don't know if Granny could even see us. And uh, you've you've probably been in situations in which an older relative was dying or something like that, and you were there, and and uh, you you've probably been through things like that. Now, Israel said to Joseph, "I never expected to see your face." And behold, God has let me see your children as well. He said, I never thought I'd live long enough to ever see you because I thought you were dead. I thought you were gone. I thought you'd been killed by some animal. And now I found out not only are you alive and I get to see you, but I actually get to see your children. Now watch this. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. We don't know how old these boys are at this time, but it appeared that that Jacob is sort of sitting up, and Joseph is there, and he's got his two sons on his knees, and he's leaning them all forward so his, so his dad can touch them and kiss them and all of this. And then he gets up off his knees and he bows. Notice he says, Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. This is a really solemn time. But I want you to see what happens. 
Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close. Now, I want you to understand, Ephraim was the youngest. So he took Ephraim in his right hand, and he took Manasseh in his left hand, and he faces his father. Now, his father's this way. So his father's right hand... His own Manasseh supposed to be, and his father's left hand is on Ephraim. That's what he expects because the right hand is the blessing hand. That's the big hand, and he's thinking, okay, I'm bringing my sons. Here's my here's my youngest son. Here's my oldest son. I put them right here. So when Daddy gets ready to bless, his right hand will be on the oldest son, and his left hand will be on the youngest son. That's the plan, and he's going to bless them because that's what we're expecting. Notice what happened. Then Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and he brought them close to him. But, verse 14, but Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. You can see it. He brings them up and says, okay, here they are, Dad. And Dad goes, okay. That's what he did. Now, what is Joseph going to think about this? Joseph's going, oh, daddy, daddy, you're making... (laughs) He can't see a thing. He's making a big mistake. He's making a big mistake. That's what he thinks. In fact, look down at verse 17. When Joseph saw, and we'll come to this next time, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him. And he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, No, no, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But the father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people and he will be great. However, now here's the prophecy, however, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his descendants will become a multitude of nations. Who's he talking about? Which one? Which son? That's Ephraim. Did you know that later on, after the nation of Israel divided and everything, there was a northern empire and a southern empire? Do you know what the name of the northern empire was often called? Ephraim. Because they they lumped all of the northern empire together and called it Ephraim. And so this is a prophecy that's going to come to pass. So he put the, as it says in verse 14, Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was on the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And so we see that crossed, it put the right and the left. It's amazing. And Joseph just goes, oh, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. But no, he said, no, this is the way it's going to be. Now, if you were the two sons, now we, I think they're very young. I don't think they, I don't think they know exactly what's going on. Meaning that one of them's going to look at the other and go, "This ain't fair," you know. I don't think that, I don't think they're there. But when you get to chapter 49, and all these sons are grown men with their own families, and they come in, and Jacob says, "Come over here, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and Naphtali." He gets them all and brings them up and says things about them. They're all prophecies for the future. They're all old enough to know exactly what he's saying and what what God is saying through him. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to see. In fact, if you want to, just read ahead. See what he says about those sons. Uh, some of them get blessing, and some of them don't. 
And and it all came to pass, and so it was pretty powerful. So what have we seen? We've seen the promise that Joseph said, "I'll I'll bury my I'll, I'll take Jacob back and bury him in Canaan." We've seen the blessings about God's covenant and how everything that God had done, and then we see the beginning. But we didn't see the whole thing, of course. But we begin to see the blessings of Jacob. Uh, blessing Joseph's sons. In fact, he, he gives the double portion and makes them equal with his sons. Let me give you some application. First of all, let's keep our word. Uh, if we say it, we'll do it. Because this is this is one of the things. This is what a promise is. It's it, Be very careful. The truth is this. Be very careful when we make a promise. When we say, I will do it. Because you have to, you can make a promise, but you may, you may physically be unable to keep it. Now, sometimes we make a promise and it's not convenient for us to keep it, or it's not to our advantage to keep it. And then we say things like, oh, well, I know I said that, but I just can't do that. That's not going to work out. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And the Bible says it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. So be very careful. Let's keep our word. Realize this, that if we don't keep our word, it's really sin. Because we're lying. Basically, we're lying. We're saying, I'm going to do something, then I don't do it. And be careful because it's a reflection of our character. And so I really think that probably the best thing for us to do is let your yes be yes and no be no. Don't make vows. In certain situations, you can make vows, marriage vows, those kind of things. But I think you just be very careful that if somebody says, well, you do this, say, I, I can't promise that I can do it. I will try to do it. But be careful when you say, I will do something because then you have obligated yourself to do it. And, and there's nothing wrong with saying, I will do something just make sure you're going to be able to do it if you say you can do it and that's why it's so vital the second one is thank god for the covenant you realize that that the covenant that god made with abraham and down to isaac and down to jacob is we call it the abrahamic covenant but the parts of that covenant are the land, the seed, and the blessing. And in that blessing is the promise of the Messiah. And the Messiah, is, it comes through the promise of the covenant, which is the new covenant aspect. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. He shed his blood, the blood of the new covenant. We ought to thank God for the covenant. Now, the covenant wasn't made with us. It was made with Israel. But we have the benefits because he told Abraham, in you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How do we get blessed through the covenant made with Abraham. It's through the Messiah and the Savior. And so we ought to thank God and say, Lord, thank you for sending the Messiah and the Savior. And thank you for that covenant that you made with Abraham to Isaac and on to Jacob. The third thing is to realize there are blessings from God. I mean, think about it. Just as God made, he's going to, he's going to see the blessings to Ephraim and Manasseh and then the rest and those kind of things. We have blessings. He's made some, some strong promises to us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't that way, I'd have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. When I have it ready, I will come back and get you. And there where I am, you will always be. Now, that's a promise that you're going to be with Jesus Christ forever. And he's prepared a place for you. There's a promise that, that he's going to change this body. In it, this lowly body, as it says in Philippians in uh, Philippians 3, to a body like His glorious body. He's going to give us a body that will never wear out. And, of course, the older you are, the more you know what we mean. When you're young, nothing hurts unless you hurt it. When you're old, everything hurts whether you hurt it or not, right? Everything hurts. Your leg hurts, your ankle hurts, your fingers hurt. Everything hurts. And you say, this thing, it's wearing down quickly, right? I mean, who, who experiences that? Anybody? Right, yeah. And just think, one day you'll have a body that will never never grow old. It's, it's a, a glorified body. And he's got provision for us. 
He says, I will provide for you. I will provide all your needs. There's protection. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? He's giving you spiritual gifts. He's giving you the power of the Holy Spirit. He's giving you the Word of God. He's giving opportunities to serve. We could look at all these blessings that we have from God. We thought about it this morning. We talked about being thankful of all the things that God has done for us. It's just amazing. May we be men and women of character, keeping our word, resting in the promises that God has given to us, realizing all of the blessings that we have. Let me pray. We'll open up for any questions you might have. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for just this first part as we see the the idea of the promises. Lord, if we make a promise, I pray, Lord, that we will keep it. We know it is better not to make a vow than to, than to make a vow and not keep it. And, Lord, we want to let our yes be yes and our no be no. We want to try to be men and women of character. We know that sometimes we make promises we can't keep. But, Lord, I pray that if it's just because it's not convenient for us or just because it's not to our advantage, I pray that we'll keep our word and do what we say. Lord, thank you for the covenant, especially the new covenant. When we think about the Abrahamic covenant and the Palestinian covenant and the Davidic covenant and the new covenant, how they all tie together these eternal promises that you made and that we have the blessings and we thank you for Jesus Christ being the the Messiah who died and rose again and gives eternal life and blesses the whole world by the means of salvation by faith. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you've given us day in and day out. Not only not only what we have here on this earth now, but what you have prepared for us even in the future. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. May we never take it for granted. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.